words of wisdom for us in Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 10 verses over the course of the next few weeks. Marvelous words of wisdom regarding our relationship with God. And I just want you to know that for the next four Sundays, I want to talk to you about what I consider to be successful Christian living, the key to it. I want to talk to you about trusting God. I want to talk to you about his being able to trust us. And what happens when that whole relationship is based upon obedience and trust. As a kid growing up, we used to sing a song in our church a lot. It was this song that said, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If you, if you remember that song, will you raise your hand? Okay, there's the real saints of God right there. Okay. No, I'm joking with you a little bit. Trust and obey. They're just words. It's just text. But when we do it, it is more than even reality. It is experience. It is knowing that he is faithful. It is knowing in the very, very core of our being that God is faithful. Do you believe he is? All right. Well, if you do, then we're, we're going to have fun this morning. Someone asked me this morning when I came in, Pastor, is there a fire lit under you today? Oh, yes, there is. And I hope and pray that by the time we're done this morning, that you will have gained some things that you didn't bring in. Now, there are two questions that Christians ask. One is, how can I know God's will? Most of us, in fact, all of us, I am quite certain, have asked that question of our own lives. How can I know God's will for my life? And then how can I be a success for God and for others and myself? Well, as we look at this stewardship, it's a matter of trust. As we think about trust is the most important factor in knowing God and his will for my life and growing his kingdom and myself as a steward. I want you to open your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, the scripture passage will be on the screen, but I I want us to stand together this morning in honor of the word of God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1. I hope that you have brought with you, or if you don't have one, you can borrow one from your neighbor, a pen, because I want you to have this pen ready this morning. I want you to underline in your Bible. I know sometimes people, they, they get really cautious about underlining your Bible, but I will tell you that that, that which we write down, that which we recognize, that which we, which we always uh, take time to say, oh man, this means something to me, we will, remem- we will remember it a lot better. Listen to the scripture. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. In other words, in everything. Acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. But be not wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't rely on yourself. 
fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. As a proverb writer begins to talk to us about this relationship with God, he begins by talking to us about complete obedience. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just smile at them and say, I'm so glad you're sitting beside me today. All right, don't make lunch plans now. Just say what I ask you to say. Uh, you can be seated. Now, get that pen out because we're going to dive into this this morning. You'll find out for the next four weeks we're going to stay busy uh, as, as, as I try to share with you these, I believe, life-changing kind of thoughts. The result of this obedience, complete obedience, is found in verse 2. Look at it. If we obey his teachings and instructions completely, then we will live a long and prosperous life. He talks about love. He talks about loyalty always being at the very first place in our life. And the result is that God and people will like you and consider you a success. Now listen to me. I know that all of us really do care about what people think about us, and, and we call that reputation. But I want you to know there's something vastly more important, and that is what God knows about us, and that's called character. Now, verses 5 and 6, which are critical verses in my life. With all your heart, you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Always let him lead you and he will clear the road for you to follow. In other words, in verse five, underline the word all. Write on your heart, with all your heart, the proverb writer says we must trust the Lord. And in verse six, underline the word always. Always let him lead you. The proverb writer tells us that if we do these things, that he will clear the road for us to follow. In verse 7, don't ever think that you are wise enough. Underline the word ever. Don't ever think that you are wise enough, but respect or honor the Lord and stay away from evil. If we do this, verse 8 says, he will make you healthy and you will feel strong. Verse 9, Honor the Lord by giving him your money and the first part of all your crops or the first fruits. And again, underline that word all. Then you will have more grain and grapes than you will ever need. There's some observations that I want to offer to you this morning. There's some observations in these first 10 verses that I want to just give to you very quickly, but I want you to grasp a hold of them. I hope that you took time to grab the notes as you entered into the worship center this morning. The first one is this. The commands are all-inclusive. Do you notice there are no exceptions? He didn't say that we were to partially obey our Lord's teachings and instructions. He didn't say that most of our heart we were to trust him and that we were sometimes supposed to let him lead us. Notice these words, completely, always, all, ever, all your crops. These words are all-inclusive. 
No exceptions, no leaks. He says, I want you to understand that trust is a total affair in your heart and in your mind. The command, secondly, precede a promise. God tells us that if we do these things, he will do some wonderful things in return. And then thirdly, the promises are conditional. We do our part and God does his part. If we trust him completely, if we obey him completely, then he has some wonderful provisions for, his, for us as his children. There's some statements here that I want to make as stewardship statements, and here they are. Number one, it's going to sound very simple, because it is. God is trustworthy. Amen? He's trustworthy. You say, Pastor, that's too simple. That, that's, that's scripture, ladies and gentlemen. God is trustworthy. Number two, God has entrusted or placed within our care the possessions, the opportunities, the talents, and time that we can now experience. So God is trustworthy. He has entrusted within us all of these things. And thirdly, we are the trustees of everything God has given us. Now I want you to grab a hold of those three things because I suppose right now we're gonna to have to ask ourselves some questions. Ask yourself, I want you to think about this. Do I trust God? Where do I place my faith? Where do I place my confidence? Now I know it's easy to say this, I trust God. It's easy to say, oh yes, I obey God completely. I trust God completely. But this is not just for personal introspection. Do I trust God? Is, is he truly my source? Do I trust him in everything? Do I trust him in some things? Do I trust him in big things and not in small things? Or do I trust him in the small things and not the big things? Uh, do I oftentimes want to take control and the answer is, if we're honest, yes. I don't know if, if you've ever experienced this. I would imagine you have. But there have been times when I said, God, I'm going to trust you in everything. And then guess what? I go right back and I say, but God, I think I know better what I need to do so that you'll do something. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not the way it works. The scripture says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. When he said in, in Proverbs that, that, that I am to submit to him, and I know that's not a popular word, I am to offer myself up to him and to trust him in everything. Now, I've come to the conclusion that this is the only key to success, and it's not an easy thing to do in a self-reliant society. That's why I want you to stay with me the next four weeks. Folks, I tell you, the potential for your spiritual growth, my spiritual growth, is amazing over the next few weeks because we're going to really look at these penetrating questions of, can I trust God? But the more penetrating question is, do I trust God? When we're through looking at this, we're going to turn the tables around and we're going to ask some other questions. And if you think the first one makes you sweat bullets, 
How about this one? Can God trust me? Does he trust me? Have I proven to be a trustworthy person? Can he give me what he wants to, knowing that I am trustworthy and that I will be a good steward of what he gives me? Or am I one of those people who are trustworthy in some areas, but in other areas, God says, I cannot touch this area in your life because you are not trustworthy. I'm going to ask our ushers to help me this morning, if they will, because I want to give you something that, that I believe will be very helpful in the next four weeks. I want every person or every uh, family, every if you're here and you're, you're a single person, I want you to make sure our ushers are going to give you one of these things, one of, one of these pamphlets, and it says, Why We Give. Now, I know already some of you have already turned me off because you think I'm going to preach about money, but I'm not. I'm going to talk about stewardship, but I've asked these gentlemen to help me and to be servants this morning, and I want you to take the time to not only read this, but I want you to take the time to mark it so that you know this is your copy. I've already marked mine. It says Allen's on the top. So mark it, put it in your Bible, and I want you to bring it with you every week during the month of January. On the fourth week, which is the 26th, we're going to do something with this, and that is we're going to ask you to make a commitment. We're going to ask you to help us to understand, and not only understand, but to know that God has called us to be faithful stewards, and he's called us to be wise stewards, but he's also called us to trust him and to obey him. One of the things that I wrote in this, and it is true, while I was serving as a senior pastor, I discovered so, something so shocking, I couldn't believe it. And that was over 70% of the congregation that I served had never been challenged about true biblical stewardship. And they did not know what God's Word said about true biblical stewardship. Has everyone got one of these? I want you to wave them at me, okay? Don't lose them. Do not leave them in your seat because we have marked your name on that seat and we know, and I will bring it to your house. No, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you a little bit. Okay, you've got it. You've got it. Make sure, make sure that you keep it. Now, when I look at this passage of Scripture, and I think about when we wrap this series up, I will be taking you on what I call the trust test. We will use this pamphlet, this brochure, that your finance committee and your staff and I have put together. We will use this in the trust test. So you got to have I'm giving you the copy of the test four weeks before you need it, okay? Now, we'll wrap this up on the 26th with what I call the trust test, but the next few weeks can be life-changing. In fact, you know, week four, we'll go through the process of taking this trust test where you can really begin to look at yourselves and ask yourselves, am I, am I truly trusting him? Well, let's, let's think about this today. Can I trust God? Here's some trustworthy statements about God. God's care is constant. 
In Hebrews chapter 13, verses five and six, God has said, I will never, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do for me? Amen? That's a great promise. Literally in the original language it reads this way. I will not, no, not leave you, neither will I forsake you. Five times God wants to assure us that he is never going to leave us. George Beverly Shea, who used to sing for Billy Graham, partnered with Billy Graham for so many years, was sharing that he had many requests for songs when he would sing at the Crusades. And he said the strangest request he ever got was when somebody handed him a slip of paper one time and wanted him to sing a song entitled, God's Grip Don't Slip. Now I want to tell you, that's very poor grammar, ladies and gentlemen, but it is marvelous theology. God's grip don't slip. God constantly cares for us. And because of that, Peter can tell us that we are, are cast, we, we are to cast all of our anxiety, all of our worries upon him. His care is constant. It's not occasional or, or, or sporadic. His care is total. It is not partial. His care is sovereign. Nothing can touch you or me without first touching God. My father had a favorite old song that he would always ask my mom and my sister and I. We, we sang uh, together, and he would say, oh, I want you to sing that song, No, Never Alone. No, Never Alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Just, you know, again, just a little test here. How many of you have heard that song before? Yeah, not many of you. God's word tells us he will never leave us. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just encourage them this morning and say, he will never leave us or forsake us. So God's care, God's care is constant. It's constant. But not only is it, is it constant, God's gifts, ladies and gentlemen, are generous. God not only constantly cares for us, but he is generous in his provision to us. He has blessed us with gifts and talents, all kinds of blessing. Write this down in your notes, Psalm 136. When you have time today, read that psalm. I'm going to read just a few verses just to give you a little flavor of it. Praise the Lord, for he is good. God's love never fails. Praise to God of all gods, because God's love never fails. Praise the Lord of lords. God's love never fails. Only God works great miracles. God's love never fails. With wisdom, he made the sky. God's love never fails. The Lord stretched the earth over the ocean. God's love never fails. He made the bright lights in the sky. God's love never fails. He let the sun rule each day. God's love never fails. Every time the psalmist makes a statement about God, the psalmist says, God's love never fails. When I was a kid, we used to sing a little chorus called Jesus never fails, never, never fails. I'm glad, so glad that Jesus never fails. But not only 
do I see that God's gifts are generous? There's a matter of developing then our trust. If we know that God is sovereign, and he is, if we know that his care is continual, and it is, if we understand that his gifts are so overwhelmingly generous, how can I develop my trust in him? Well, I think the first thing is trusting in adversity. Anybody had any adversity lately? Yeah, go ahead and raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah. You know, if, if, we're not, if we're not facing adversity, it's, it's like uh, the old African-American preacher said, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're fixing to get into a storm. You say, oh, thanks for the good news, Pastor. Life is oftentimes very stormy. I was, I was telling somebody I, uh, before church, you know, they, they said, how was your New Year's? Oh, it, it was wonderful. Just probably ate too much and had way too much football in my veins. And I, uh, uh, we, got a, we got a new dog over Christmas, and so he tur- he's nine weeks old today. And um, somebody said, well, that's like having a baby. No, that's worse than having a baby. <laughs> that's worse than having a baby. But... Uh, um, I, I'm sure the similarities, and I'll probably catch flack for just saying what I just said, but uh, the, uh, the, the amazing adversity, I, I, uh, I went back to, to work on Thursday at Agape Flights, and it was like, why did I leave? Because everything got stacked up, and I only got two days to, to really get this done. And then I, I went to my doctor's appointment this week, and he said, well, here's what we're going to do, Alan. On the 13th, we're going to do a colonoscopy. Oh, joy. And he said, on the 14th, we're going to do surgery on you. Great. So you're going to clean me out, and you're going to fix me up. It's okay. You can laugh at that. I will laugh at it, too. I mean, he said, yeah, but you'll be walking out by noon, and you may be back at work by Thursday. I said, well, can I preach on Sunday? You can tell a lot of times what's so very, very important to me. But he said, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. You just can't lift anything for about six weeks. You just, I said, can I lift my Bible? Yeah, you can lift your Bible unless it's one of those 40-pound family Bibles. No, you can't lift that. I said, well, I'll carry a small Bible. But, you know, we got to talking, and, and he, he looked at me, and I said, well, Doc, uh, before I leave, I'd like to have a word of prayer with you. He said, after the news I've given you today? I said, yeah, I'd like to have a word of prayer with you. And so we prayed together, and I, I asked the Lord to be with him and to help me and to, to do all those things. And I was reminded in the midst of that prayer that in everything... We're to give thanks. But we, ladies and gentlemen, we have to trust him in adversity. We are responsible to trust him in the times of adversity, but we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to enable us to do so. And I say that to you because in in Psalm 56, verse 4, David said this, For I trust, I trust in God, I will not be afraid. And in Psalm 34, he said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. What is David saying? You and I are responsible to obey and trust God. That's our part. 
good friend of mine, wrote a song many years ago entitled Jesus Never Fails. It was, if you remember the group called Truth, it was their only number one song. But he was a minister of worship in a church in Kansas City. He had served that church faithfully. He, he and his family, he had four children. But something very tragic transpired in his life and caused him to pen that song. His, his wife of many, many years came home to him and said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you with these four children. I found someone else. And then she delivered the news that who she had found was a, a woman. And she left. And he stood before that congregation and expressed what had just happened to him. And fortunately, that congregation wrapped their arms around that man, began to minister to him. Listen to me, preachers, assistant pastors, worship pastors, student pastors, whatever title you may have, are not exempt from tragedy and a heartache. And I'm gonna make this statement to you because I want you to grab hold of this for the future. I pray and hope that you don't have to utilize this, but I want you to understand something. Sometimes we put a pastor up on a pedestal and when something happens, you know, Josh McDowell said, Christians are the only people that kill their wounded. A pastor needs the care of a congregation as much as the congregation needs the care of a pastor. I want you to respect your pastor. I want you to love your pastor. I want, I want you to do all those things. But in times of tragedy, in times of heartache, in times of turmoil, in times of problems and adversity, love your pastor. Stand with them. Help them. Encourage them. Don't throw them out. Wrap your arms around them. You see, here's sometimes where the conflict comes. Now, now hang with me for just a minute. Here's our problem. God asks us to obey or to trust him in an area of our life that's bigger than what we can reason or understand, or instead of just doing our part, which is total trust and obedience, we want to go over to the other side and we want to say, now God, if I do this, how are you going to work? <laughs> if I really let you have my marriage, God, it's almost like, God, you just don't understand. Uh, he's, he's a problem. She's a problem. I've got these problems in my marriage. Or if I surrender this financial issue to you, God, I'm not sure you understand how bad my finances are. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure, God, you understand how deep the problems go. It's so simple. I think this is why our Lord said we have to become like children we have to be like children to get into heaven. The simplicity, the willingness to be vulnerable just to say yes to God and to trust him. Even in adversity, when we don't have answers, even if we have to say like the psalmist, I trust in the Lord. I give you my fears, God. That's not conflict, ladies and gentlemen. That's not a double statement of standards. 
what he is really saying here is, God, I believe you, and God, help my unbelief. Have we all been there before? Yeah. Yes, we have. Oftentimes, I'm there on a daily basis. I'm willing to obey you. Have you, ever, have you ever been there? I'm willing to obey you, God, and yet there's something within me that wants to pull back. He's basically saying, God, I don't understand, but I'm willing to trust you, even when I can't see the end result, even when I can't see all that's in front of me. And so, listen to what I am saying to you, trusting in adversity, and then trusting in plenty. The extent to which we genuinely thank God for the blessings he provides is an indicator of our trust in him. I suppose, truthfully, that this area, this area becomes most difficult because when we are blessed, there's a tendency for us to either trust in ourselves or to trust in the blessings. Hello? Yeah. I mean, I think we run to God fast when we have problems. I don't know about you, but I do. Man, I get to God quick, but I think we kind of ignore God when we're being blessed. Are you blessed? Man. I said to Jennifer the other day, I said, who would have ever thought that two preacher's kids would live in a house like this, has a swimming pool in it, has a pool and, and and we have a thing called a lanai i couldn't even spell a lanai when i moved to florida didn't even know what it was we called them porches in in illinois but you don't ever have a swimming pool on your porch you got dogs and you know but man i mean my my kids my grown kids when they came to to florida and they and we don't have a big house or anything we live in a nice subdivision we we've got a nice nice little little area we we've got a lake in our backyard that has alligators <laughs> and ducks and all kinds of critters but i i looked at her the i said do you believe this two preachers kids two poor preachers kids and we get to live in this and she said we should. She's always kind of the, the female version of the Holy Spirit for me. She, she says, and we should always be thankful. We should always be thankful. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll go to my refrigerator today, and guess what? There's milk, and there's, there's orange juice, Sarah, and there's, there's, there's that off-the-bone ham in that one drawer that I like. And there's Munster cheese, and there's, and there's cheddar cheese, and there's Colby Jack, and there's jalapeno cheddar. Y'all are coming to my house to eat, aren't you? Man, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. We have so much. There's a, a tendency for us to just kind of think, you know, I'm doing pretty good here. And we become self-reliant. It's so human for all of us. We are, we are so, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say this. In this country, we are so blessed to live in this country. We are so incredibly blessed because every one of you, while you may not understand this or even think about this, you are wealthy compared to 96% of the rest of the world. 
this talk that I hear all the time about, well, there's so many billionaires. So? There's so many of us that we have so much, and yet we don't give it. We've not learned what stewardship is. So trusting in plenty. But here's the third thing. Write this down. Trusting God as our source. The human tendency is to trust in God's instruments of provision rather than in God himself. We trust the job that he gave us instead of realizing that God is the provider of the job. I was talking to someone before the service and we were talking about entrepreneurship and where we worked and this, that, and the other. And, and several years ago, I, I realized that, man, being a pastor is kind of like being an NCAA Division I football coach. They'll like you for about the first three years as long as you rack up the wins and get them to a bowl. But if you have a down year, you better be looking because somebody's going to become firing. <laughs> They'll begin to criticize you. And listen. Listen, I want, I want you to understand that when we trust that God is the provider, we trust our health oftentimes instead of realizing that God is the provider of our health. I was reading a passage of scripture out of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, that's an interesting contrast between people who trust in God and people who trust in themselves. Listen to it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. There's a beautiful picture here. Now listen. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, and they imagine it to be an unscalable wall. What is he saying? It's very simple. He's saying that those who trust in the Lord, when they have an issue or need, they immediately run to him, and he is their trust. But those who have possessions, they make them a fortified city, and they look at that fortified city and say, it's an unscalable wall. I cannot be touched. I'll hide behind it. What's your unscalable wall today? Is it your marriage? Is it your savings account? Is it your job? Is it your health? It's so easy for us to trust in all these other things and not make God the source and the platform of our trust. It's like the fellow who said, God, it just seems that I cannot lean on you like I want. And God said to him, it's because you've never put your total weight on me. You're still using your own strength. You're still using your own mu muscles. Relax. I remember the days of student ministry when I was a student pastor, and we wouldn't dare do these things now, but that was back before the day you didn't worry about lawsuits, and we would, we would talk about complete surrender and trust, and we would get, we would get you know, some kids around another kid, and then we would say, okay, just fall back, and we'll catch you. Now, I almost thought about asking John and Doug and some of these guys to come up here and catch me today to illustrate that. And then I said, no, Lord, I don't trust those people. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I think I do. No, I do. <laughs> but when we put our total weight, our total existence on him, and we understand that it is, he is the source of our trust. He is the one. One of my favorite preachers, 
of old was a fellow by the name of S.M. Lockridge, African-American pastor. I heard this reading that he did about trusting God. I'm going to read it to you this morning, and let me preface before I read this, I am no S.M. Lockridge. (laughs) There will be points, if you're not sure when to get in, I'll tell you when to enter. But if I were reading, just reading this in an African-American church, I can guarantee you I would be shouted down. But the text and the meaning of what Dr. Lockridge said so permeated my being when, when I heard this about the trustworthiness of God. I kept this and have kept it in my Bible for years. It's entitled, You Can Trust Him. He's the one who made us. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love and no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. I'm telling you, you can trust him. No barrier can can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong and he's entirely sincere. He is eternally steadfast and he is immortally graceful. He is empirically, powerfully, and impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the world. He is God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. I'm trying to tell you, First Baptist, you can trust him. By now, I would have already been shouted down. He does not have to call for help, and you can't confuse him. He doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is supreme. He is preeminent. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem of higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of truthology. He's the cardinal necessity of the spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the ages. He's the superlative of everything good that you and I can call him. I'm trying to tell you, you can trust him. He can satisfy all of your needs and he can do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak, and he's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes, and he sees. He guards, and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the people. He blesses the young. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. I'm trying to tell you, church, you can trust him. He is the key to knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. 
He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the path of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory and hallelujah. You can trust him. He is the master of the mighty. He's the capturer of the conquerors. He's the head of all heroes. He's the leader of legislators. Hallelujah for that. He is the overseer of the overcomers. He is the governor of the governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and indeed, Jesus, we can trust him. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He is indescribable because he's incomprehensible. He's irresistible because he's invincible. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't get him off of your mind. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. You see, you can't. Pilate couldn't find fault in him. And the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. And Herod couldn't kill him. And death couldn't handle him. And thank God the grave couldn't hold him. There was nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. You can't impeach him. And he's not going to resign. You can trust him. He is the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is all things. He is the giver of life. He is the joy out of every sorrow. He is the light in every darkness. He is the peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. Ladies and gentlemen, you can trust him. There is no God before him. There'll be none after him. He is the first. He is the last. He is preeminent. There is no other God. Hallelujah. Thank you. We give you praise today, Lord. We give you praise because that's who you are. We walk out of this building this morning knowing, God, you are trustworthy. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, yes, indeed, I can trust God. And the people said what? Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today more than any other thing that has been said today that people in this congregation today would leave this building saying, God, I can trust you.